Alex Torres oh! to give Chelsea a place in the Champions League final. The headline has been written. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I said the last 18 months have just been forgotten in two seconds. Hello and welcome to the Plastics Podcast, a show where two American wankers rationally and calmly discuss match-fixing with a decorative statement of satire pre-show. We're joined by diehard Darren England fan Blair Lacrosse. This is probably the worst one you've done for me ever, <laughs> ever. Kind of hard done by it. Uh, and myself, newly inducted Big tinfoil hat guy, Jacob Burke. This week, the standards for the PGMOL have never seemed to be lower. In a match that has been highly talked about over the last 24-hour news cycle, the gang breaks into Tottenham's victory over Liverpool. We also go into two teams we haven't talked about yet this season, Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest. How their season is going in the light of two other games we watched featuring them. This and another FPL roundup finish out this game week. Everything is totally fine. Jacob. Hey, how's it going? That was some great multitasking. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we are. We have the uh, unfortunate circumstance to not be with our uh, podcaster in chief, Maddie Gaylor. Mm. She's out unwell, <laughs> and uh, it's just us two. So Maddie was vigorously celebrating the four-one victory that um, Leicester City saw today over Blackburn. Um, so she went out, got lit on some. Uh, Buck fast that she found. I yeah. don't know how. Uh, last last reported, uh, just to give you a quick championship update, I feel that in the spirit of Maddie not being here, Leicester lead the league of the championship with 24 points, two ahead of Ipswich Town, uh, and leading also in goal differential. They have uh, tied with the most goals for and the least goals against. So well done. Hey, let's go. They're coming back up, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's easy money. It's in the bank. You know what? Just go ahead and submit all that money to the uh, gambling <laughs> websites. We're not sponsored by them. But. Yeah, this isn't financial advice. It is gambling advice. Wait, is that still incriminating? I don't know. Is that You legal? know what? This Can, isn't advice. Yeah, we don't give advice here. <laughs> this is all satire. As I, we my said- is don't gamble. At the beginning of the show, this is all satire. Um. Okay, so- yeah, we the the gang is going to talk about some stuff that I'm sure no one that is paying attention to soccer has heard of yet. Yeah. Uh, and I guess we'll just break into the games, Blair, unless you want to give us a, a quick uh, a piano update. Yeah, I'm learning a song that's essentially Mary Had a Little Lamb. Mm. Uh, it's pretty dope. I'm, I think it's an upgrade over um, Jingle Bells. Personally, it's got a little more depth to it, I think. Um, a little more emotional resonance, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know I'm kind of a big fan of Jingle Bell Rock, though. Jingle Bell Rock is good. I think that's, yeah. I was just talking to uh, Maddie about this, and I didn't realize there's multiple versions of Jingle Bells. Do you know much Do you know much about Christmas music? Um, you know, Josh Groban comes out of his cave. So does Michael Buble. So does... Is Groban a big Christmas music guy? Yeah. Okay. Um, he does the... If you just believe, if you just believe. Or like, you know, the entire Polar Express soundtrack he's really in on. Groban did that? Yeah. That was Grobes? Yeah. Oh, okay. This is our boy Josh. Wow. Josh in the studio. (laughs) And uh, um, Mariah Carey. Yeah, like Mariah Carey's the one. I know Michael Buble. Um, It must be sick making like $20 million a year just because, dude. You you got a yeah. major Christmas hit. They just like mark their calendars, man. Like <laughs> this I is would, when the paycheck hits. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely convert to Christianity if I, <laughs> if I got if I was getting those residuals every year. Like the the Lord has blessed the, these these folks. That is true. Yeah, it is true. Oh, anyway, yeah. So are you learning anything new uh, um, after the lesson this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm learning more about uh, sort of accenting mm-hmm. notes a bit. Um, learning a little bit about mezzo piano, mezzo forte, um, which is like how strongly you play a note, basically, right? Um, yes. And so 
what I was trying to master before was just getting the notes in proper order, playing the proper notes in the proper order in the proper tempo. But now we're adding a little more of art to it. So it's like playing the proper notes in the proper order <laughs> at the proper tempo. But also add a little jazz to it, mm, a little spunk little, on some of those spice. notes. Yeah. Uh, so. You know what piano literally means, right? Have you gone over that yet? Uh, he said it today, but I forgot. What yeah, he I know. Said. It means soft. Yes, yes, yes. Because uh, it was a uh, what's what was the original forte piano? Forte is loud. Yeah. So like uh, the original name was like forte piano. It was like the Italian words, which just means like soft, loud. Because mm-hmm. um, the harpsichord and other instruments like that, you don't you can't play accented notes. They just come out. Yeah, the harpsichord is one volume. The yeah, exactly. ancestor to the piano. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So the piano's got more drama to it. It's the it's the messy bitch of the of the keyed instrument. Yeah, the messy bitch. Yeah, you're speaking of a messy bitch. <laughs> That was a good one. Save that. That was good. All right. Speaking of a messy bitch, um, we'll just transition noise. I'm at the helm now. (laughs) This is dangerous. (laughs) All right. So yeah, we've got Tottenham two one Liverpool at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and I have here highlighted. Not sure how to frame this segment. Uh, full transparency to the listeners. I don't know where to begin with this. So I will rely on a less biased source here to kick us off. I think I'll just throw the hot potato to you, Blair. Okay. You want me to just jump in on this? I think it would probably be better for the segment. Yeah. All right, Jacob, let's, let's pretend like, um, we're talking about a normal match Mm -hmm. for a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think one good first thing to discuss is, team selections yes there are some interesting ones as i thought from a liverpool perspective uh as someone who's not been watching liverpool all that closely i don't think we've really we've not watched them much both for the show and also just sort of communally uh in the in the apartment just just to watch them much this year yeah I mean, you obviously are watching them but like i have not seen much of liverpool this year so seeing curtis jones and joe gomez start mm-hmm. um mm-hmm Surprise! Uh, Alexis McAllister is the the sort of deep lying midfielder here. There's some interesting choices being made um, for Klopp's boys. What's up with that? Yeah, so obviously, um, I think Liverpool, I guess, haven't been talked about this year because there's things other things have come up. It's just the way the season has fallen thus far. Um, Liverpool are, I think, in a much, much better position th- so far in this point in the season than they were last point in the season. So um, we're, yes. we're going to be talking about Liverpool more. Yes. <laughs> uh, how, so as for Curtis Jones, uh, Curtis has made his way back into the team. He is uh, no longer plagued with injuries like he was quite as much last season. But also, uh, he is a much more... Uh, incisive, much more uh, quick midfielder than he was last season. His decision-making has improved uh, measurably. So I think he probably, uh, at this moment in time anyway, or I should say before this game, was probably the most uh, topically important midfield player in our three. Shabashlai. Shabashlai. Yeah, I was going to be Maddie's, but this episode. (laughs) But uh, he's probably like the hottest, you know, hottest button. Hottest player. Oh, he's handsome as hell. (laughs) And uh, Matt Callister obviously is filling some much-needed shoes, but I think Jones is the most important role as he plays the in-betweens for Shabashlai and Matt Callister. So, yeah, he has inserted himself into the first team midfield and then um and you know it was going fine i think for especially last game uh but then we have joe gomez as well who's slotting in for trent um why yeah i mean i don't know exactly why but i do know that you know uh trent um has played i think a too many games just mm-hmm. way, way too many games. And so this season, especially, you've seen a lot of players come out and, you know, go, hey, I don't want to end up like Fabinho last season. And that's fair, fair enough. Uh, I, my my suspicion is Klopp's doing a bit of load management. And also Joe Gomez isn't as bad as he was last season. Uh, <laughs> Joe Gomez isn't great. He's not flashy. He's not going to get you there fast, but he can also <laughs> slot in defensively way better than uh Trent can. So when you're facing, you know, a possible top four side, you want a bit of defensive stability when Tottenham famously love a good counterattack. 
Mm. So I would feel much more comfortable with Joe Gomez on the defense than I would Trent when Sun's running at me mm-hmm. personally. And also uh, Richarlison, I think, was terrorizing our right flank. And thank God he couldn't finish because uh, I think he probably should have scored at least one goal there. Um. Okay. Yeah, that's the starting eleven. That's the starting eleven. That's interesting. Now, I think there are three distinct acts in this mo- in this movie, this play. Um, As all good movies have. Yes. Um, no sex at sixty though, so I don't Mm-mm. know. Um, Let's count the refs. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> We'll, let's go with Act One, which I'll I'll define as the first twenty six minutes before the first red card given to Curtis Jones. Yeah, um, there were some interesting things that were happening. Um, I think it was shaping up to be a pretty lively match. I think there were good chances being produced by both sides. Um, with I, in my opinion, Liverpool having the majority of those good chances, but that's not to say that Spurs didn't have some of their own. So it looks like it might be a bit of a back and forth affair with both teams, I think, sort of struggling to wrestle control of the midfield, at least to start out. One thing I did notice was that Joe Gomez was tucking into, like, the midfield? Yeah. In a box. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I I mean, I I don't personally agree with it. He doesn't really have the body for it for for me. (laughs) Like, he's a slow-moving... Like, I'm not saying he's slow, but he's a bigger guy. And it just takes more effort to move that kind of mass. You know? (laughs) I can attest to that. Um, yeah, I so I thought it was interesting, you know, academically speaking. I mean, I was nervous before the game. Tottenham aren't, you know, they, they've got the angiosance, the pasta coglu uh, period. There you go. <laughs> Uh, and so this was the first, uh, the first time these, uh, these front three for Charleston, Son and Kulisevsky started this season, I think. And, uh, you know, I think Son's playing striker, Kulisevsky and Charleston feeding him. James Madison. I mean, you know, what hasn't been said already? He's, he's lighting it up this season. So, um, yeah, with Joe Gomez slotting into midfield, I'm like, Hmm, I don't know if I would classify Joe Gomez as a box to box guy, but this is Klopp's decision. And he kind of played something similar during the cup match over the week against uh, Leicester City, RIP. And uh, he wasn't doing bad. I mean, I think we had more pressures and more of the ball the first 26 minutes anyway. And I, you know, I don't know if we had the lion's share of shots, but I, my memory is so tainted by the preceding events, but um, <laughs> I, I do remember feeling okay about it. One thing, I guess, two that I observed and this goes back I think to last week the North London Derby was as I'm as I'm trying to learn this new Tottenham team mm-hmm. they're obviously playing drastically different to the way they've played last year and I think the way they've played for I don't know five years now it's like sit back and counter they're a possession oriented team now but one thing I've noticed in matches that they're involved in and I don't really know exactly what accounts for it but the midfield just ends up becoming incredibly chaotic did you see this yeah out? um I mean, chaotic, I think the midfield to me with Tottenham is that they command much more space. Mm-hmm. They have, it, it feels like anyway, that when your team has the ball, they are the ones that have the superior field advantage. And so you have to play through them in a way that they don't have to play through you. Yeah. I think when they dispossess you, it seems like there's all of a sudden there's a ton of space in the midfield. It's, I guess, must be by, by design, but it's, yeah. it's interesting to me because it seems like they're almost creating these transition moments. It's like the, it's like the game is always in transition. It did kind of feel that way. Yeah. It's not, it's like no team has their foot on the ball, even though I think both sides are basically playing like mm-hmm. some form of a possession oriented system. Yeah. I, I think obviously Yves Basuma has been a big part of that. Um, He's looked quite good. He's looked quite good. And then Papa Sar uh, coming through. Uh, big, big player that I think, I mean, came out of nowhere for me. I didn't I didn't know who this guy was Love until. Him. You call me Big Pop. <laughs> I, uh, one thing I noticed about him, his shooting from outside the box scares me a bit. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a pretty good uh He's like two shots. Launch. Two shots, according to my calculations. Uh, way, way outside. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have taken either of them. Probably not, if no. I'm being honest. But I respect it, honestly. <laughs> I love pulling up and just ripping one. <laughs> Uh, okay, but enough enough foreplay. Okay, so let's go to Act Two. Yeah, 
And that was started by the dramatic moment that was Curtis Jones. Yes. Now, uh, usually you put it in, in the point of no return in Act 3, but here it was Act 1. <laughs> a straight red card to Curtis Jones, yeah. whose uh, challenge for the ball saw his foot roll over the top of it and onto, I believe, was it Destiny and Udogi's foot? Uh, yes. Something like this. And, um, yeah, studs up thing kind of went down the down the shin, whatever. Sure. Uh, originally given a yellow. Yep. Retracted. And then VAR checked and overturned for red. Mm-hmm. Now, let's lay out the facts. What do we know? The way that the, the VAR was presented, it was interesting to me because what we could see from the uh, pitch side monitor when, um, who's our refereeing friend here? Simon Hooper. Simon Hooper. Um, was called over to take a look. The first image he sees is a still frame of Curtis Jones' studs on Udogi's yeah. ankle leg situation. Um, and I thought that was an interesting editorial choice. I thought, like, whoever, whoever is the prosecution here is doing a great job. Yes, if the glove fits, I guess. Um, so that's the first thing he sees. Then he gets the replay in real time, which I think it presents a different picture. It presents maybe a clumsy challenge, but not one that right. I think is reckless or... Uh, violent, like you might expect from a, a straight red card. Okay, so I think with me as a Liverpool fan, I am forced to take an opinion here <laughs> that is is going to be, I'm going to try to be as nuanced as possible. I think many things can be true that contradict each other. So I'm going to outlay them. Uh, one, I think that it isn't a red. Mm-hmm. I think that is true. I also think that giving it a red isn't necessarily an egregious or incorrect call. I agree. I think in certain scenarios or in like, you know, if you did, if you like, I guess simulated it, you know, a hundred times, right. You're going to get a not insignificant amount of situations that a red card like that presents itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an unfortunate position that he, Curtis Jones did nothing wrong. He, yeah. he, went for the ball he got the ball and then he rolled over the ball and he hit an unfortunate part of Udogi's leg um what I think here is supposed to happen is the ref is supposed to run over and watch a replay yes I think when you pause on the 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 act of uh Curtis Jones cleat hitting the legs. If you freeze frame that, it looks like Jones is trying to break Udogi's legs. <laughs> yes. And that I disagree with. Yes. Um, for obvious reasons. One, because uh Curtis Jones is a lovable man and he can do no wrong. Secondly, uh, it paints the offender in a light that the ref should be going into unbiased. So if you just start from the beginning of the play and go to the end in real time, yeah, I think that's how it should go. I've seen people saying you shouldn't play it in slow-mo. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Sometimes you need slow-mo to really see this event by event thing. And it does always look worse in slow-mo. That's true. Mm -hmm. But we need the slow-mo to sometimes see events that happen very quickly. So uh, yeah, I think slow-mo is fine, but just to, just to go up there and see, Hey, freeze frame. This is Curtis Jones murdering a guy with an ax. That's not what we want. That's not how that particular point of VAR is supposed to be implemented in my opinion. So yes, I don't think it's right, but I also, I'm not going to lose my shit Mm -hmm. over this particular call. Mm -hmm. I, we were talking to a friend of ours. You should save your shit for the the next act. I think to to lose. Sorry, sorry. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. (laughs) Go on. Sorry. Yeah. I was starting the, the, I should correct the record. It was Eve Basuma who the challenge is on, not Udogi. That makes more sense Uh, just sort of positionally on the pitch, but well, you know, Simon Hooper doesn't play basketball, but he was certainly taking shots. (laughs) Sorry. I had that one ready to go. I think I'm with you though. Um, this one where I thought, uh, like I I fully acknowledge that I'm biased against one of the teams in particular in this, in this match. Um, but, uh, I thought that it was a, unfortunate situation where the ball just happens to be round in this sport and if it was rectangular this would never have happened so maybe we should consider changing we that should play block ball block ball <laughs> new sport um so yeah i can i can definitely see how this ends up being a red card and i can see how that wouldn't be like a total outrage yeah because it it you know i mean like it does have elements of a red card even if i don't fully agree with the full case of giving a straight red for this particular challenge yeah yeah if this was the only incident that happened in the game 
I would be pissed, yeah. right? But I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I'm currently at. Here's the unique thing about Liverpool, I think. They are somehow good at playing with 10 men. Yes. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. You see, in some cases, 10 is more than 11. And you might be saying, like, this is just the result of one win against Newcastle down 10 men. No, I implore you. <laughs> Go back to when Darwin Nunez headbutted Joaquin Anderson uh, last year. Uh, uh, at Crystal Palace. Liverpool were down to 10 men and played to a man like they were going to die if they didn't like get a result from that match. It was the most intense period of soccer I've ever seen from a team. And I believe it ended in a draw, but they had the best chances of the match in, in that one as well. So you know, I think Liverpool have a bit of a track record here of playing well down to 10 men. Historically speaking, um, if you'll give me a moment, the the Romans were a society that would rather have you die on the battlefield huh. than come home having your back turned to the enemy. In fact, it was so much so that if a Roman soldier ran away from a battle, his and uh, him, his wife, and his kids would be immediately outcast from society. Mm. So to run away would actually damn your family. Yeah. Hence, they would sit there and die for their culture or whatever. Um, in this case, Liverpool, uh, Klopp will, in fact, excise you from the team. Come back on your yes. shield, he says. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that was the theme from last episode. We, we aren't there anymore. Um, no, this this episode, it's the Crusades. Because um, I'm crusading against VAR, PGMOL, and all that is the uh, governing body of the Premier League. So, okay, so in this period then, right, uh, Liverpool a bit shell-shocked, I guess. Yes. Uh, the decision's made, the yellow's overturned, VAR gives a straight red. Well, Simon Hooper gives a f straight red uh, based off of the, the evidence um, yeah. from, from VAR. Um, that's the 26th minute. So we got almost a third of a normal soccer match, uh, which would have been, which was great. I loved that. Um, I think that was shaping up to be fun. And you know what? As soon as you get a red card, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, you're not going to watch the same sport anymore, basically. Right. Um, so, so uh, Sun scores in the 36 minutes. Well, hang on. I, I do want to just yeah. quick point. I think, so to, to those who listen to this podcast, to talking about an event-based sport, when you have a red card, it's really hard to do because the fundamental uh, stratagem of both teams goes out changes. And so you can, that that is a clear dividing line. It's yes. kind of two separate games. Yes. So we have a totally separate situation on our hands where uh, Liverpool is down to 10 men facing a uh, on-form Tottenham. Anyway, continue. Yeah, exactly. That's good context. And I agree with your statements <laughs> um so we uh i should back up i should back up and you okay. know why i should back up because there was another of our intervention before sun's goal um liverpool go down to 10 men uh and then um mo salah and luis diaz combined to score an excellent goal yes where salah oh. plays diaz through into space and um it's close it's close but um you know it's it's probably not offsides basically all the evidence presented after the fact points to this goal not being offsides okay yeah sorry um i'm not sure who the defender is here it might be uh christian, christian romero. romero yeah he's kind of doing he's doing something weird i don't know why he's standing like it is he is but he's got a very wide base and it doesn't it's not good i don't think but anyway um diaz scores um it's called offside on the pitch var reviews apparently okay here we go. Apparently, VAR thought the call on the pitch was goal. The referee in the VAR room being Darren England Dude, thought it you, was a goal. Is Darren England a real person? <laughs> Have we actually seen... You know, I used to work for a person named Guy England. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, if like something like this happened in like the Super Bowl, let's say, and they're like, yeah, we're cutting to the... the, the uh, you know, review booth guy. Yeah. Mike America. <laughs> Johnny Texas. Johnny, Johnny Texas. It's just kind of like, that's not a real person. We're right? cut into Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so apparently, uh, yeah, Johnny Texas thinks yeah. that it's a goal. It was given goal. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. That's what that, that was 
According to reports, that was what yes. he thought. This was a tweet from somebody from ESPN. Anyway, um, so he thinks that the call on the field is good goal. Yes. And he's reviewing it for potential offsides. In his mind, he then reviews it, not offsides, and says, apparently, check complete. Done. Donezo. Simon Hooper on the, on the field hears check complete and says, aha, it was offsides, no goal. <laughs> Yeah. Play continues. Yeah. So the flag goes up, right? So the current call is offsides, right? Yes. Darren England, yes. wherever his mind was, certainly not in the VAR room, um, maybe maybe millions of miles away. Who is to say where Darren England is? It's Darren England is probably just IBM Watson. <laughs> yeah. Just some early, early AI <laughs> yeah. language learning model. Um, anyway. He says check complete. No further context. Yes. Obvious, this isn't Simon Hooper's fault. He's only hearing. He can only act upon the information he hears. Yes. So he hears check complete, meaning yeah. we're done here. Uh-huh. Nothing, no further information is given. What yeah. is Simon Hooper to do? Continue on. I think I can't, I can't blame a man for doing that. I, you know what? That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So my personal opinion is the blame here is entirely 100% on Darren England and the supporting officials that help him out in the VAR room for not saying, hey, hey, dude, dude, they're continuing play. Let's radio back into Simon Hooper. Pause that because the most critical event of a soccer game was just miscalled and thus totally changed the nature of the game. Yeah. We, as officials that are arbiters of this game, which are watched around the world, revenueing billions of dollars, are doing our jobs incorrectly at the moment. Can you imagine if he stood up on his chair and said all of those words? That's <laughs> some very righteous speech. <laughs> we have a duty to the fans. Oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that doesn't happen. And play continues on. And one thing leads to another. Richarlison assists uh, Son for a goal on the other end of the field before the half is out. Um, yes. So uh, I think the lines not being shown on the television are... Or one thing, right? I don't know if what we see is what the VAR officials look at the entire time, you know? Yeah. Whatever. You know, if if sometimes... You would hope not. You would I hope, hope they're seeing I, some sure, yeah. good, the good stuff. So, um, anyway, uh, so what, what happens at the end of the half is Liverpool are down to 10 men, which, you know, whatever. But they also don't have a goal called, which, fine. But yeah. they also have a goal against them, which... Now, this is going to sound nitpicky and a little bit butthurt, which I am, by the way. But, um, if Diaz had scored, yes. the game state would have changed. Yes. Would Son have scored that 36-minute goal? I don't know, but it's definitely not 100% yes. Which, by the way, was a, a deep through ball from Madison down the, the yes. last two. Uh, Madison, uh, we should. R- Richarlison on there. Madison the had 14 shot creating actions uh, during the game, the most of any player. Uh, well done, whatever. So That number literally means nothing. You played against nine guys <laughs> for 30 minutes. I know, but the next guy is six. So yeah, I like 14 is a lot, but yeah. like you got to put that number in some extreme context. But yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Like you said, huge game state changing situation. Liverpool go down a man, down a goal. Gakpo gets one back before the end of the half. Uh, he's basically limping around the box and uh, is able to get a touch onto the ball. Mm-hmm. And then he still has to make, like, he has to he has to, to thrust himself to the ball. He has to make a powerful step to the ball with this limping leg and then get a shot off, do a little pirouette in the box. It was a nice goal. It was a very, I don't, I don't really understand how he contorted his body in that manner to yeah. get the power behind that shot, but he did yeah. at the cost of his own hamstring, I assume. Yeah. It seemed like he paid a dear, dear price to score that goal, but, um, it left the half with, um, shared points. Yeah. A tie. One, one. Which I think in many fans' minds, <clears throat> mine included, uh, spirits were feeling much higher. Um, it was like, yes, justice, you know, ball don't lie kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) Diego Jota comes on for Cody Gakpo, uh, at the beginning of the second half. Oh, by the way, um, 
for for our person, the streaming service we were watching it on, which was uh, USA, Rebecca Lowe, Robbie Earl, Robbie Musto, and then the commentators, Peter Drury, and um, I don't remember the uh, other one. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, they, they didn't talk about the offsides incident, and I don't know if they had, they might have had, you know, direct directions not to, which, you know, whatever, but it was really, really irksome during the game that it was not being talked about as if yes. this was a normal game happening before us. Yes. Um, so anyway, the second half resumes. Diego Jota comes on for Cody Gakpo, who's off injured. Um, and at the 60, uh, you know, the play continues. Liverpool are the better team during this period of time. Um, they're holding their own. They're employing low block very well and getting some chances. Tottenham are kind of just like dinking it around. Uh, you're going to see these pressure momentum maps. I mean, um, where Tottenham are like really, uh, in favor with the team, but, uh, that's because we were playing with 10 men and we were employing low block and they weren't getting anywhere with it. Mm -hmm. So Jota is, uh, given a red card for, um, existing on the field, I believe was the okay. Call. So Destiny Dogi is like breaking with the ball. Joda is tracking his run. He's he's tracking him uh, from behind, trying to catch up to him. Joda cuts behind him um, so that he's in line with him, right? And Udogi's foot catches Joda on the knee as he sprints. It's not like Jota kicks his foot or his leg. I don't know if that even happened. You don't, you're not sure it made contact? It's, well, it was it was one of either Udogi trips himself or Jota catch, like, brushes against his foot as he's running. I, I think it's like Jota's leg is there and Udogi kicks his, like, knee, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I, yeah. It's whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, natural running, right? You, you push your leg behind you as one does when they run. And as you follow through, Diogo Jota just happens to be standing there. Anyway, Dogi goes down and Jota's given a yellow for apparently trying to cynically, uh, bring him down to stop a counterattacking chance. Fine. Um, that's unfortunate. What is then more unfortunate is that, what, 90 seconds later, he's given a second yellow. Yeah, for a, which, for a, a true challenge. yellow card challenge. Yeah. Yes. So the, the uh, I guess, bulk of the conversation goes back to that original yellow. Yeah, so, the, right, because he doesn't, he wouldn't have been sent off for a second yellow if he had not first gotten the yell literally 60 seconds beforehand. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, isolated incident, not a huge deal, right? Yeah. But this is, this is another feather on top of a already uh, stacked camp. Is that the expression? Yeah, it's a feather and a <laughs> shit cap. There you go. A, a poop cap. Uh, so, Diogo Jota sent off. Um, I, I mean, it's happened. I, it's been a long time since I've seen an 11 V9. I've never seen it, I don't think. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> Liverpool are playing with the classic 5-3. Dude. Um, oh Endo, Graven Birch, and I think it was still Shabashlai that were our farthest forward players at the time. Uh, and we're, I mean, like we're doing our damnedest to just, just block passing lanes and it was working. Um, and then, you know, all of you are probably aware of the result, but uh, sixth minute of extra time at the end of the half, a uh, second half, Joel Matip scores an own goal after a cross that I believe was whipped in by James Madison. Um, I could be wrong on it that. It was uh, Pedro Poro, I believe. Pedro Poro. Yeah. Um, so, oh, right, because James Madison was subbed off by then. Yeah. Uh, yes, so uh, Joel Matip own goal, what would have been, I think, narratively, a pretty heroic uh, point at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for Liverpool turned into, you know, three points for Tottenham, Um I don't, and, and, and a giant asterisk on the game and then a discussion, not about the game itself, but about the, uh, governing standards for the PGMOL. Yeah. And so, you know, I hate that it's that conversation. I am not exaggerating when I say it was the worst officiated professional <laughs> soccer game I have ever seen. <laughs> it was really bad. And a large part of that probably has to do with my uh, support of Liverpool, but I think a lot of people would agree with me. Yeah, I agree. It was really bad. And I, of course, don't withhold disdain for Spurs, but like I even think taking that aside, it it was still just like, here's here's 
like there's there's a lot of conversations to be had about how refereeing should be done. I'll, the problem with refereeing is a lot of it is so much of it's just like the uh, unwritten rules of refereeing, you know. And it's like okay, Joda, he he's dumb for that second challenge. He knows he's on a yellow card, right? Like that's that is a mistake that he should not be making probably. But like I think giving a player a second yellow in the span of ninety seconds, given the game state, is already uh, ten men, right? I think you've got to you've got to give him a stern talking to you and say one more and you're you're done. Personally, that's that's how I feel. And the trouble I have with this is I feel like I wasted my time watching this match <laughs> um, because yeah. the conclusion felt foregone. And then somehow Liverpool put up this valiant effort to maintain the one point in the draw for ninety five minutes and thirty five seconds or whatever of ninety six minutes. And that is like really the only I think outcome that feels justified and then the own goal on top of everything else that happens i it felt horrible and i'm not even a liverpool fan it was just like the shittiest outcome to like one of the worst matches of soccer i've ever watched in my life yeah i'm i'm not one to walk away from a game usually but i did in that moment i just walked out of the room and just like I, I was mentally done. Yeah. I think I think a lot of fans felt and look, I you know I would have taken a break from the sport for a couple of weeks. I wouldn't be recording a podcast. I'm, I'm a little right apathetic <laughs> about like what's happening right now given the results, but uh you know, this this is this is um you know, we 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 got we gotta we gotta put out the content. Anyway, the point is is that um, <laughs> we gotta get this gotta get in the, the ears <laughs> of the people. Yeah. The point, like, I think I also I think most Spurs fans probably feel similarly. I don't think any rational Spurs fans would feel like smug about this result. Um, I think it's probably funny, right? Oh, if you're yeah. not uh, if you're playing against Liverpool and it's like a bit of Schadenfreude, right? But yes. also, it would have been very funny. Yeah. Also, <laughs> um, you know, the refing isn't going to be exclusively a Liverpool problem. This is going to be, you know, the state of officiating. I think this season has been really put under a microscope because of several subsequent, like the Wolves, Manchester United, um, Onana um, foul, mm -hmm. right? Wolves should have had a penalty. They didn't. Mm -hmm. The PGMO had to go and retract their statement. They had to say, hey, we made a mistake. Um, mm -hmm. Additionally, they release this statement. Uh, PGMO acknowledges a significant, a significant human error, human error occurred during the first half of the Tottenham Hotspur Liverpool game. The goal by Luis Diaz was disallowed for offside by the on-field team of match officials. There was a clear and obvious factual error, and it should have resulted in the goal being awarded through VAR intervention. However, the VAR failed to intervene. PGMOL will conduct a full review into the circumstances which led to the error. PGMOL will immediately be contacting Liverpool at the conclusion of the fixture to acknowledge the error. I'm sure that will keep many of us satisfied with this. Update. Dude, the, the apology stuff is just like the worst shit on earth. Like, I don't care if you apologize at all. It doesn't do anything for anybody. It doesn't change the outcome. And like, that's that's what people watch the sports for is for the outcome. You know? Yeah. yeah. So God forbid, I think, right? If, if Liverpool, God forbid Liverpool end up in the title race, but if... This is what I was going to get at. If we do and we lose by a point... I know. <laughs> I might go nuclear. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? Because I think, I think that, like, there are, there are coin flip th things that happen in almost every soccer match. So many. Um... And the thing, the thing that I always harp on in these sorts of discussions is that um, the way that soccer deals with these situations has very blunt instruments for them. And so you can send a guy off, that changes the uh, course of a match dramatically. You can award a penalty that changes the a goal, uh, you know, basically changes the course of a match dramatically. And so when you're Liverpool and three flips of the coin happen and you lose on all three flips, that is going to feel like an injustice, you know? And I've, I, I think I feel sympathetic towards that uh, particular aspect of it. The other point that I would like to reiterate and emphasize is that this was the marquee matchup of the weekend in what was otherwise... A kind of dull weekend um and the, it, it just ruined it man like like you can't you can't just like be the most concerned about like how good of a tv product you're putting out like it's sports things happen um things need to be judged fairly of course but like th this was shit it was shit and i was looking forward to an exciting match the first 26 minutes 
told me that there was ample opportunity for this to become a, an exciting match. And it was just completely taken away. And that sucks. So as a neutral fan of somebody who wanted to watch an ice soccer match, I feel um, aggrieved. Yeah, yeah, I think that's putting it mildly. Um, discussions around implementing automatic offsides. You know, the way, the way we saw it in the World Cup. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I just think you got you got to take the lines out of these guys' hands or their noses or whatever. Yeah. Because they just, like, they keep fucking it up. <laughs> it's insane. And, yeah. like... It's, it's but, like, it, it, uh, theoretically speaking, right? It, the issue here is, like, I think... Uh, it, Automatic offsides doesn't remove the human element because there always needs to be one. Yeah. Because this is a human sport and we don't watch a simulation of robots playing each other. Yet. Um, yet. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Jeez. <laughs> so there's always going to be need to be like a Darren England that says, hey, you know, they were offsides. You know, like retract that call or, you know, make that call. Darren England is eternal. Um, I believe the PGMOL has suspended Darren England for the rest of the weekend. And by that, I mean, for today's fixture at the time of recording, it was um, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, and then tomorrow, Chelsea, Fulham. Um, uh, so the, the suspensions don't do anything either. Like this has happened before. People have been taken off VAR and yeah. they're made like the fourth official ever. And they just get, they just get sent back to VAR eventually when the heat is off. Of them. I mean, yeah. Like when the press stops, you know, cause like the, the sport moves on. It's a, it's a week to week thing yeah. that, you know, has something new to, you know, focus on. But I think this is, this is a glaring, glaring problem in the standard for refereeing that, uh, you know, we see probably once a week a mistake that is game altering. <laughs> yeah. You stack those up over a season, that's a totally different table. Yeah. I just I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it is. It's very it's very frustrating that they can't seem to get this right. And for all the talk about this being like the best league in the world, come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 you gotta be better than this. <laughs> it's definitely the richest one. Um Maybe not the, I don't know. Well, LFC released a statement. Liverpool released a statement. Um, I'll paraphrase, but they find it unacceptable and unsatisfactory that sufficient time was not afforded to allow the correct decision to be made uh, with no subsequent intervention, you know, saying, hey, uh, Simon, I spoke incorrectly. Uh, let's ro roll that back. It's only been 30 seconds. I think people would appreciate that. Anyway. Um, In my opinion, now going forward, they have to absolutely change how the verbiage of these decisions are made. Yeah. And if it's a goal scoring uh, review, a review that uh, for something that would take away a goal, the last thing the VAR reviewer should say is goal or no goal or whatever, disallowed or allowed. Or like, you know how you check complete should be the conclusion of a sentence. So, you know, when yes. they say it, it's yes. like that is their final thing they're saying. Yeah. So everything before then, you know, is content like new, like that was not offsides check yeah. complete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause like, basically this is like the surging equivalent of like leaving your watch in somebody's chest and sewing them back up. It's just completely incomplete. <sighs> you know, I love that. They just, they just, they just fucked up yeah. in like the worst way. Cause there's going to be a vocal section of people that will just now say, well, whoever wins this season, you know, <laughs> win is void right well and like the stakes going into the match right like liverpool after city lose to wolves hilariously uh liverpool could have won this match and gone into the top of the league yeah. which is a significant outcome of the weekend um and so yeah i mean it's just it just feels bad it feels really bad i think that uh things transpired this way in the meantime liverpool will be exploring the quote range of options available given the clear need for escalation and resolution unquote i don't know what they could possibly do here that would give them i don't think that anything's going to happen from this um frankly other than maybe uh an apology and then i don't know a card being rescinded but that's yeah. not really the source of what the statement's about it's about the offsides and the goal and like the changing the game so liverpool went pretty strong in that statement and my guess is there will probably be an apology for the decision but there also might be some slap on the wrist for questioning like or liverpool questioning the integrity of the, the sport or whatever you know okay that's, I mean, I'm not saying that's right. I'm guessing that's what's going to happen. Yeah, though. yeah. I Well, if that happens, you know, I might have to, you know, get my get my Twitter back on and just start, you know. <laughs> rage tweeting. Yeah, rage tweeting. <laughs> Tweet what's going it. on? <laughs> All right, we've spent 48 long minutes about this. Uh, so mentally, this is me putting it in a box and throwing it out. The season <laughs> continues and it, you know, it's, it's part of... Um, 
being a mentally healthy person to move on from these things. So it's true. This is just a game after all. It is just a game that revenues billions of dollars. <laughs> so we'll move on. Transition noise. Nice. Okay. I'm thinking, um, you know, we, we do our best to talk about these uh, Sheffields and these Nottingham's Blair. Let's do it. We're talking over the transition noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all formalities. <laughs> Nothing, you know, is real. Okay. <laughs> West Ham 2. Sheffield United nil at, uh, at, at um, West Ham. Jeez, where do they play? The London Stadium? Uh, Yeah, London Stadium. Thank you. Uh, narrative uh, of this game in particular, Sheffield coming off of a weekend loss last weekend, 8 to nothing against Newcastle. I got to say, thinking in terms of morale, Sheffield's got to be at the bottom of the table here. How do you even recover from something I, like that? That's tough how do you go back into the dressing room as a manager or a player that participated in that match and look anybody in the eye i did wonder that when southampton would have like one of them in their locker for a season but they still survived yeah it's like okay ralph you know you've got something here what are you saying to these guys (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah i mean that's obviously an incredibly disheartening outcome and i think coming off the back of that and then going to uh, London Stadium to play West Ham, who are, I think, in a pretty good run of form at the moment. Um, that sucks. I mean, that, that's not that's not what you want to be seeing. Um, obviously, didn't get the result here. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, I think... <laughs> uh, I'm never going to get t- tired of this manager's name. Paul Heckingbottom. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Th- I think he is at the hecking bottom of the table. I was going to... F- <laughs> I was going to make that same fucking joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so kind of tough, uh, to talk about these, I mean, in my opinion, these promoted teams in a more positive light last season, I think we were really spoiled, uh, Burnmouth, Nottingham and, uh, Fulham came out swinging. Yeah, they did. Seems like Sheffield and Burnley and Luton kind of just are fighting for their lives. Yeah. I think Fulham and Nottingham in particular last summer made some pretty good acquisitions to bolster their teams. I think that Luton really made some moves, but Luton and and Sheffield, it feels like, didn't really spend as much to try to stay up. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I... can see why Luton didn't, but I mean yes. Sheffield and yes. uh, um, God, is failing right now. Burnley, Burnley definitely have the money to blow on these yes. things. Uh, okay, so we have I noticed particularly uh, that um, Jaden Bogle was focused on for a lot of the transitional play, but Sheffield had trouble with it. Yeah, West Ham employed a very effective press that Sheffield simply couldn't get out of. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably, uh, Edson Alvarez, I noticed, and obviously uh, Thomas Suchek being absolute monsters in the midfield. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty much running the match. I it was interesting to see because Sheffield against a against on the road to a team that likes to sit deep and counter a lot of the time. I thought it was interesting that Sheffield were trying to play West Ham a little more. They weren't really like sitting in like a super low block um, the whole match. And yeah, I think this did end up becoming a situation where because of that, because they couldn't play through uh, the midfield very well and they were constantly being dispossessed, um, particularly like by the two players you mentioned, um, they set themselves up to play into West Ham's hands, uh, into their strengths very well. And I think that was maybe a tactical error on the part of Hacking Bottom. Um, I think maybe asking West Ham to do a little more possession, a little more break us down, um, might not have been such a bad idea, even though that might be compromising a bit on Sheffield's principles. But yeah. Blair. Yeah. Jared Bowen. Yeah. Five goals, one assist, seven matches. Is he back? I think he is back. Looks great. I mean, he's on track for his 20-goal season. That'd be crazy. I don't think that's like... I mean, it'd be crazy like just because 20 goals is a lot and that's always crazy. But like, it's definitely like conceivable that he could do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I think there was two seasons ago that he was popping off and people were like, oh, is he going to go to a, you know, get, get a quote big move? Yeah. And he doesn't. And then the next season, he's just a dud. You know? Yeah. Not to say that he is a dud, but he, you know, standards of last season to the next season, not ideal. Um, James Ward Prowse, I call him the truth. Okay. I like that. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, I've definitely been like wrong about James Ward Prowse. I think <laughs> he's quite good. I 
like his stuff. Um, there's still I still need to see like watch him more. I think, yeah. but um, he is just I, I don't know. I think he's just like a really shrewd signing for West Ham and um, brings some creativity to them where they need it in central spaces. Um, yeah, I, I just I really like him as a player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that West Ham are going to do well as they currently sit. 7th, 13 points, just two behind Brighton. Um, and I think, and, and Aston Villa, who, you know, the the the, tertiary, the secondary teams, excuse me, are looking pretty clustered here. Yeah. Newcastle, West Ham, Brighton, Aston Villa, all all teams with some danger. In, and Dude, um, Aston Villa scored six goals against Brighton this weekend. <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy. They scored almost half of their current goals <laughs> in that in that moment. That That is something. Um, Anything that to this game? Um, I think the trouble... I, I think what's, what was troubling for Sheffield is that they really didn't defend their box very well. Mm. And I think if you were a promoted club who's going to be spending a lot of time around their own box, <laughs> if there's one thing you can do, it's, really, it's defend the box it's better like, it's than that. Down. Um, you need to track runners into the box when they make runs. Um, and you need to mark them closely. Uh, when they try to contest uh, aerial balls. And I wasn't seeing that uh, enough from Sheffield's defensive line. Um, Jared Bowen was a, a prime beneficiary of this. His first goal, or his goal came off of a, a run into the box that was just left completely untracked. Um, and I believe that was Luke Thomas. Is that right? Luke Thomas, yeah. Leicester City. Yeah, Luke Thomas, um, not really paying attention to his man, getting a bit lost. Uh, Sheffield's left side just sort of broke down. Um, they ended up like three guys marking one guy, uh, West Ham player. So, yeah, they need to clean some things up a bit because that was really sloppy. And I do think for the outcome of the match being a two goal loss and for i think the presumed uh victor being west ham here uh given their quality versus sheffield sheffield did have some moments you know um there was something here for them i think you know west ham did decide to sit deeper a bit uh 70 minutes onward but they did end up creating some chances i think ollie mcburney had a few shots he had a header chance that he didn't get much power on he had a great moment um in the 38th minute actually after they went down two goals um that he couldn't sort out. It was a shot inside the box. Um, and then Ahmed Hozic had a, a header at the post that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. he couldn't find home. So they had they did create some chances. Um, they just didn't create enough of them. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think that they... I think they'll regret some of these things because they really were punished for um, some, I think, some very basic errors that you would hope they wouldn't be making very often. Well, I think we'll probably check back into our boys at Sheffield later this season. Uh, They currently sit last. So uh, not looking good. And, no. uh, you know, when you're uh, when you've got an, um, the worst goal differential in the league um, with a team like uh, like Burnley, who just have a habit of being a sieve against other teams. It's I think it's a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah. It's not looking great. OK, uh, let's move on to uh, Nottingham one one Brentford. Yeah. OK. So here's the thing. Uh, when you have a result like the one we devoted most of the podcast to this episode. Uh, it's hard to really pay attention to other games during. However, <laughs> however, um we had the special pleasure of watching Matt Turner and goal every time we watch Nottingham. And you know, the previous narrative about Matthew Turner, Matthias Turner, <laughs> is that he's a guy that faces a lot of unfair shots that he can't necessarily save. Uh, you know, he he doesn't have um, a lot of opportunity to showcase his actual ability because they're all deflections or they're all headers, which are in the end end up being his defense's fault anyway. This game was not one of those games. This was a bad game for Matt Turner. He probably should have had a penalty. Thankfully, Premier League refs were involved. <laughs> and thus, there was no penalty. Yeah, he basically kicked Wisa in the knee um, after Wisa took the ball off his foot. And yeah, that was a strange choice. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so I think Nottingham escaped with a point here. Yeah. Um Taking away from this, though, and uh, a point I noticed uh, for the commentary team, uh, Brentford have been kind of sneakily mid yeah. uh, these past few matches. They have been, yeah. They got kind of smoked by Everton. and They yeah. tied Brentford. Sorry, I'll back it up here. During, for the Premier League, uh, they tied Crystal Palace. 
Yes. Okay. Next game in the Premier League, they tied Brentford. Bournemouth. Yes. We're talking about. Sorry. Brentford. So yeah, <laughs> Brentford tied Brentford. <laughs> Shit. We're talking about. Uh, they tied Crystal Palace. They tied Bournemouth. They lose to Newcastle. They lose to Everton. They lose to Arsenal, and then they tie Nottingham. Bad run of form. Yeah. The question is: Is eighth place Brentford this season? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Maddie, wherever you may be. No, Maddie would definitely stick to her guns here. Oh, and she she's going to end up being right. We, we both know it. Her, um, Brentford's next fixtures are United. Mm-hmm. Burnley. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chelsea. Got that in the bag. And then uh, West Ham and Liverpool. And then Arsenal. Not exactly the easiest run of fixtures. Yeah, that's tough. That's the meat grinder. Yeah. Yeah, they they do seem to be struggling a bit. I feel like there's something about them where they just look kind of like tired. I don't know. I watched the, I watched them a bit in the the EFL Cup. That was the match they lost to Arsenal um, at the midweek this week on Wednesday. And yeah, they just they seemed they basically started because they they're coming off the loss to Everton. They 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 started a, a pretty strong lineup in in the cup. Um, I think they'd only cha- made like two changes, maybe. Yeah. And they just didn't, they didn't inspire. Have- they didn't look inspired. I guess they just played pretty meh. And I don't know. Maybe they're just feeling the loss of Rico Henry. Of, that of me. Tony. Josh De Silva. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's some guys that they need to get back into the side. Just um, a few. <laughs> yeah. Because they are struggling at the moment. And they they do look just a bit meh. You know yeah. what makes me tired? Watching Thomas Frank chomp down on a piece of gum. Dude, that, that guy's man's... jaw <laughs> must be so strong. Yeah. He like he is the most aggressive gum chewer I have he ever really is. seen. He's got a very kind of weird sideline demeanor. Yeah, he's like he's very sour. He's like he's like folding his hands just <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he's just kind of watching his team go. He seems like a guy that talks to himself a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and then Steve Cooper, on the other hand, <laughs> I kind of wish, um, I'm going to have a full library <laughs> of Steve Cooper reaction photos by the end of this week. He's got, he's got wonderful reactions <laughs> and they're, they're golden. I think we need more Steve Coopers in the league. To I, be honest. I love him. He's amazing. Um, obviously, uh, so Here's the thing. Divac Origi uh, plays for Nottingham Forest now. That um, is the thing. That is That, to me, should have been national headlines. <laughs> when did that happen? I'm not sure. I thought he was tearing it up in Milan. I was wrong. Probably his season didn't go that well in Italy. So here he is, back in jolly old England. And uh, also, Callum Hudson-Odoi plays for Nottingham Forest. He does. And I like that front three from Nottingham. Alanga, Awoni, and Hudson Adoy on their day are going to do some damage to some teams. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is just like a strange collection of individuals to me. Yeah, it's like they've assembled, um, like the dirty dozen. You know. <laughs> yeah, they they're the expendables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wow, this might actually work. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I would you be mad as a Brentford fan conceding the goal they did? The way they did that was a um I'd be mad at uh Flecken's decision making yeah. to to decide to let that go so yeah. they can get a goal kick rather than just punt it out so they don't let it in. Let a goal in. Yeah. Yeah. That was a strange he just pulls his he pulls his hand. I mean Dominguez had like a wonderful it was nice. It was, it was a nice. It wasn't. It was from a significant distance too, and it wasn't like it wasn't like a direct bullet header. It had a nice arc. Yes. It was at that perfect angle where it was super awkward to save. So Flecken let it go. Um, Flecken flecked up, and then uh, they tied Brentford. Um, Mark Flecken is thirty years old and from the Netherlands. Yeah. It was a. It was the 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 game was weird. Like. There was the red card from Niakate, who seemed hell-bent on getting a second yellow. Oh, He was, was doing the, whatever he could to get that card. Dumbest thing. <laughs> he just, like, he, he, if there was a second yellow deserved in the weekend, it yeah. was uh, uh, Niakate's second yellow. Yeah. He, he just rakes his studs down somebody's uh, Achilles. It was pretty nasty. Um, and then... The, the foul that uh, transpired there that gave the second yellow was like outside of the box on the right side. Mm-hmm. Brentford, uh, kick a ball into the box. Nice cross. <laughs> goal. Goal. Immediately after. Yeah. That was a poor, it was a poor goal. consequence. Yeah. Uh, Forrest don't cover well, and Matt Turner doesn't really shroud himself in glory trying to make a save. So, yeah, just like two back-to-back horrible, horrible uh, outcomes for Brentford, or for Forrest. I think, though, 
before Nottingham Forest and Brentford, this is going to be kind of like a lackluster season anyway. I think Nottingham yeah. Forest has too many, like, I don't, this is going to sound weird. They have too many clunky players. I agree with that. Yeah. They, they're, they've got players that kind of just don't really fit things to me. And Brentford, um, you know, the, everyone's touting them as the money ball team, which, you know, fair enough. But, you know, there's some points where that's going to fail. This is the season to do it, folks. This is the season to be a mid-team yeah, because it's true. relegation is safe. So, <laughs> so, yeah, if you got to have a season where Ivan Tony has been banned for half of it for who knows why, it's gambling. This again at the top of the podcast. This is not gambling advice. <laughs> Ivan, stop listening. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, but honestly, I feel good about if I if I'm a Nottingham Forest fan. Tywa Oni is great, and Dude, uh, signing Ibrahim Sangare as a defensive midfielder, fantastic move. He um, was quite good. He kept dropping deep to uh, collect. I noticed they were building from the yes. the middle of the pitch quite a bit, and mm. um, yeah, Forest. Forest, I think, looked better for most of the match. Y'all ever I build mean, from the middle of the pitch? You ever use that part? <laughs> everyone builds from the back these days. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay, so let's um, let's select the fixtures we'll look ahead to for next weekend Ooh. because I'm seeing lots of juicing ones. Yeah, somewhere. Arsenal play Man City. I am very excited about that. I'm... You know what? I'm going to say I'm excited about it, too. There we go. There we go. Okay, so... We have to have one on Saturday. It's just... And I think there's going to be two on Sunday because there's a lot more interesting ones happening Sunday. Okay. So uh, my humble suggestion is either Burnley-Chelsea mm. or Man United-Brentford. I, I like both of those. I, I would flip a coin on those. Um, okay. We haven't talked Chelsea in a while. We've talked a lot of Man United That's and a true. decent amount of Brentford. What if we let the listeners decide? Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. Okay, so we'll do an Instagram poll for those. So, uh, Oh my, there are some juicy ones on Sunday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we'll do the Instagram poll for the Saturday fixture, and then I think maybe do one for the Sunday fixture too. Because uh, we've got Brighton Liverpool yeah. and West Ham Newcastle. Yeah. And Wolves Aston Villa, which I think is going to be a sneaky good fixture. Yeah, I think so too. So the, the, those are three that are all at the 9 a.m. slot, uh, Eastern Standard Time. And then the big money fixture, probably yeah. for the first half of the season anyway, is going to be Arsenal Man City. Yeah, they're going to ruin my birthday weekend. <laughs> Blair, you turn... 50. You turn uh, an unspecified age on Friday. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to have to do something special for the podcast this next weekend. It's actually on Saturday, isn't it? 7th? Oh. I don't know, man. Yes. Sorry. Saturday. So, well, actually, yeah. So the, we'll, do something, we'll do something for the special for the podcast on Sunday. Uh, Yeah. So, you know what we're going to do? Our Snowman City, for sure. For sure. For sure happening. But we're going to post a Instagram poll for uh, the Saturday 10 a.m. fixture and the Sunday 9 a.m. fixture. All Eastern Standard Time. Yes, I agree. There's some good ones out there. And... Um, yeah, folks, we'd love to hear from you. Cool. And uh, Blair, could you please grace us with the current top five? Yes. Uh, let me double. I should have been doing this while we were talking. I want to double check that the tables, because last week I had, a, I had a bone to pick with how the mathematics were being uh, done in this, this table. Uh, Is I don't think the table totals have updated, but... It, it, well, okay, that's fair, but it's a long season. The points, the points are in, and I'm just going to go with what our current standings are. Got it. We'll post the most updated table once we get it. I think that still remains to be seen. Anyway, um, okay, so top five. Step up to the street. Roommate Zach, 71 points. Um, this week? Yeah, this week. Wow. Despite starting three <laughs> players who got zero <laughs> points because they didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> so he stands to gain more points and he still has Bergolino to play tomorrow. That's awesome. So he had a phenomenal weekend thanks to one Ollie Watkins who uh, by FPL Ollie standards. Watkins owners stand vindicated. Yeah, they step really out, did. Step up. Five goal scoring returns in one weekend. Raise your hands, Ollie Watkins Insane. owners. Insane. Nobody saw that coming. Take I didn't your see crowns. it coming. But he had Son, he had Odegaard, he had Trippier who had to get another assist. He's in the clean sheet. Um, He's first. 
He's oh first. He's catapulted. Goodness. He's catapulted to the top what of the table. A comeback to be documented for the ages. Yeah. That's incredible. That's yeah. our roommate, by the way. And I'm pretty sure he forgot his account password. Yeah. And he's changing not to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's that. Shake and bake, Dan. You're still killing it. Uh, tough week this week. 39 points so far. Um, looks like that's all in as well. No more points left there uh team global gym david tower 44 points for the week he also was an ollie watkins owner myself caro human i can't i can't never get caro human or are you dancer, dancer. <laughs> i have 49 points Thank well you done much. well done carlton morris still to play i got a looting guy for the double game week this week oh, that's good i also had nervous purvis in the back line uh, getting <laughs> minus two points for his damn own goal Wait, is that a nickname that's always been there nervous I, I i don't know i've i've seen it around um and fifth place is dart fart andrew kruger andrew kruger well done also 63 points also a watkins owner yes. so some uh definitely beneficiaries of can you, owning Ollie can you Watkins. tell us where the other podcast members lie yeah yeah let's find them akanji this working maddie she wild carded oh my gosh crazy fascinating uh she had danny welbeck in her lineup Jeez. and i don't oh he played 45 minutes and got a yellow card that was a choice <laughs> uh she had 59 points this week though which oh, is actually pretty good yeah uh, she she benefited from a trippier assist and a ben white goal in go. uh garbage time in that board from that Bournemouth match and then let's see here cool guy jake don't know who that could be yeah. um all right <laughs> Is currently seventh, forty-four points okay. on the week. Damn, I'm just sniffing the top five. Still got Nico Jackson to play. I and don't think he's gonna play. I think he's banned on yellows. <laughs> oh shoot! Yeah. I think you're right. I Why think, is that not flagged on the app? I don't know. I think Malagusto is out too with an injury. Malagusto is out. He's suspended because he got a red card last week. I think. Anyway, your boy forgot to set his lineup <laughs> this week. Can you tell? Yeah, it works for some people, not for me. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, that's us. Yeah, the podcast stays winning, folks. Uh, <laughs> currently losing to a guy who's not even paying attention. Uh, it's awesome. Time, so, <laughs> what a chaotic sport. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, I think I think that's it from me, Blair. You got anything? No, I don't. Cool. Thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to next week which will be full of fair and non-biased calls. The Arsenal Agreement pa- podcast is coming to you next week, courtesy Ooh. of me. I will be sure to complain about as many things as possible. I will be recording every Blair reaction to make sure that if he goes nuclear, we've got it. If we lose, <laughs> it was Hell the refs. Hell. If we win, I still won't be happy. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Cheers. <laughs>